What page is that on? So it's Exodus chapter 16, verses 2 to 15. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around, pots of meat and ale, all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, In the evening you will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, and in the morning you will see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we that we should grumble against us? Who are we that you should grumble against us? Moses also said, You will know that it was the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening and all the bread you want in the morning, because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we? You are not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses told Aaron, Say to the entire Israelite community, Come before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. While Aaron was speaking to the whole Israelite community, they looked towards the desert, and there was the glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. The Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them, at twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you will be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. That evening, quail came and covered the camp, and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, What is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, It is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Toby. Let me just pray for us. Father God, we thank you so much today for Elliot's baptism. And I pray that you would help us as we think about this story of uh, the Israelites uh, in the wilderness that you would help us to think about our own lives, that we would learn what it means to follow you, to trust you, even in uh, difficult and testing situations. So Lord, come by your Holy Spirit and speak to us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So we've been uh, looking at a series on sort of the Old Testament. So we started off in Genesis and we're now in Exodus and sort of to give you an idea of the timeline, we've had sort of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and all those guys. And then Joseph, um, you know, who ended up taking uh, the people of God to Egypt when there was a famine. 
And, uh, and then many hundreds of years later, probably about three or 400 years later, the Israelites have ended up in slavery in Egypt because the, the pharaohs that came after the pharaoh that showed favor to Joseph sort of basically forgot about all of that and basically saw all of these Israelites becoming quite numerous and so they were enslaved. And Moses then arose, uh, prince of Egypt, if you remember that film. So he was a, a, a Hebrew uh, child but actually was brought up uh, as a prince in the pharaoh's household and God called him to set his people free, to set the Israelite people free. And so what's just happened last week, we were looking at the fact that um, finally Pharaoh did let the people go after lots of plagues and all sorts of really not very nice things. And the Israelites were set free as they went through the Red Sea, uh, as the Red Sea parted and they now came into this land. And we're now at the point where basically their food has run out and they're in the wilderness, and we're beginning to see their reactions. And I want us to think about how we react when we're in a time of change, when we go through a transition, or when things become difficult. Because that's where these people are now. They've, they're disorientated. They're away from everything that was familiar to them. It's all been taken away. And although God has promised them that they're going to enter the promised land, at this very, very moment, they are actually in the wilderness and they're beginning to get hungry. So I want us to think about how we react uh, in those sort of situations. So if we could have the first slide up. Uh, so first of all, people grumble. Some of you are probably far too young to remember the Mr. Men, um, but I'm, I'm old enough. So, uh, so Mr. Grumble. And that's what they did. They grumbled. Toby read to us, in the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. Even though they'd seen God's amazing power uh, to deliver them through the Red Sea, to set them free from slavery, um, it doesn't take them long, and maybe it doesn't take us long sometimes, to start grumbling when things are not quite as we would like. And the second temptation is to look back and say that everything was better in the past, the good old days. So in verse 3, the people said, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all... I think you said meat and ale, but it was actually uh, uh, pots of meat and ate. They might have had ale as well, I don't know. Um, <laughs> pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out of this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. So these are the people complaining against Aaron, uh, Moses and Aaron, but of course, ultimately, they're complaining against God. You know, remember all that meat we had in Egypt? I mean, yeah, we were slaves, but come on, we had some meat. Um, they'd forgotten all the good things that God had given them. And I guess, you know, we can still be like that today, can't we? We can sort of look back on the good old days. We can look back with nostalgia and say, oh, you know... The thing, way things are now, well, it wasn't like that in my day. And of course, not all progress is good. I'm not trying to say that. Not all change is good. But there are, is a tendency amongst some of us to just look back and assume that everything in the past was good. Everything that was before was better because actually it's hard taking risks and facing change. So I love the 80s, but there's some things I'm quite glad we've left behind, um, like double cassette decks and... Uh, very small screens on our computers. As I say, not all progress is good, but actually these people have been led into the promised land by God. 
That's what they cried out for back, back earlier in Exodus, in Exodus chapter 2. Uh, we read this, the Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out, and their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. So in other words, God had heard their cry, he'd answered their cry, he'd, in miraculous ways, set them free from slavery in Egypt. And then just a few days later, a couple of weeks later, they're saying, oh, if only we were back in Egypt, you know, at least we had stuff to eat there. Oh, you know, I'm not sure I like this. So even though what was familiar to them was not great, slavery, it was very easy, uh, it's very tempting sometimes, isn't it, to go back and think we'd prefer something safe and secure, even though it might not have been that great. So again, that's another temptation. The first temptation is to grumble. The second temptation is to look back and sort of say, oh, it was way better in the past. And then the third temptation is to um, be a bit pessimistic, to sort of resist change and to say, oh, actually, it's just much easier not to change. There isn't a character called Mr. Pessimist, by the way. I just made that up. You can probably tell by the fact it's gone a bit long. (laughs) It's very easy, isn't it, to feel when what's secure has been removed from us, even though that thing might not be great, that we feel adrift, we feel lost. And these people were literally in a wilderness. Have any of you been to the wilderness in the Holy Land? Yeah. I had the privilege, and someone was telling me in the earlier that they'd actually flown over it this week. They'd been on a, a business trip, and they were flying over, uh, and they could sort of see the contrast between the wilderness and then the sort of fertile land uh, that they were going to in the promised land. And I was there back in February, and it really is a completely barren place. So on one level, we can understand that the people were complaining because they were, they were getting hungry. But what they had forgotten is that they were people of promise, that God had called them into this place and that therefore he would provide. And he did provide. He provided them with this mysterious stuff called manna. Do you know what manna actually means? It means, what is it? <laughs> it actually means, what is it? Which I think is awesome. Um, so he provided this, this substance, this strange substance called manna and then quail uh, in the evening. And again, quail is, is a pretty naturally occurring thing in that part of the world. Sort of loads of them end up, they, they, they're so tired from flying, they sort of end up flying really low and they can be very easily captured. But the manna is definitely miraculous. It's something that God provided for them and continued to provide for them for 40 years. Now, the crazy thing is, do you know how long it would have actually taken them to go from Egypt to the Promised Land if they had just gone straight there? Ten days. And that's probably when their food started running out. They probably had enough food for ten days. But because they were disobedient to God, because they were rebelling, they just ended up in the wilderness for 40 years. And Moses didn't even get there. He didn't even get to the promised land. And, you know, for some of us, uh, we can find ourselves in the wilderness. And we can find ourselves in the wilderness for all sorts of reasons. It can be things that, that we choose to do, so we maybe change job or move, uh, and suddenly we, we're, we've left everything behind that was familiar to us, and it feels like a desert place, it feels like a wilderness. Sometimes things can happen to us that we don't ask for, like bereavement, or like a loss of a job, or retirement, um, or even having children can come like a complete you know, um, shock to the system. Um, changes in life can make us feel lost, and we can be tempted to grumble, we can be tempted to look back and say, oh, I wish it was like it was. 
Or we can be tempted to say, resist change and become one of those cynical and pessimistic person, people. And all of those characteristics were, were here amongst the Israelites. Yes, new situations are scary. Change is scary. It can be disorientating. But the question is, is how we deal with it. How do we deal with it? And so as we look forward into the New Testament, we see this amazing truth that actually Jesus came to set us free, not from slavery in Egypt, but he came to set us free from the slavery of sin. Now, that's a, slavery of sin, what on earth does that mean? It's, it's one of those sort of phrases that's, that doesn't really get used a lot these days, and particularly the word sin. And when we were talking about the baptism, actually, we were talking about Eliot's baptism, I always use the uh, sort of illustration that sin, the way to think about sin is it's basically got I in the middle. And I've said this several times before, but it's the easiest way I can think of sin and of explaining it. That sin is when the world revolves around us. Revolves around our needs and what I want. And stuff everyone else, basically. Um, Whereas actually what we're called to as people who follow Jesus is to have Jesus at the center of our lives. So sin is basically anything. It's not necessarily all the really bad stuff. You know, It's not necessarily the really obvious stuff like lying or stealing or whatever. It's those very subtle things that often take us away from God. And actually that can often be just that grumbling and that discontent and that, oh, I wish it, used to be, it was like it used to be. Why has God done this to me? And complaining about where we are rather than seeing where we are as an opportunity for God to change us and to use us and to transform us. What God was trying to do with his people in the wilderness was to make them his people, people who were obedient to him, people who wanted to follow him, people who put their trust in him. Jesus actually called himself the true bread of heaven. Jesus came to fulfill um, many of the promises that were given, or all of the promises that were given in the Old Testament. He came to fulfill them within himself. And in baptism, we have this amazing symbol, don't we, of, of baptism, of death and resurrection, of cleansing, of, of new life. The children were brilliant, weren't they, in knowing what water was about. I didn't brief any of them, honest. Um, that thing about cleansing, about new life, about quenching our thirst. And Jesus came to do all of those things. And just like those people in the desert, Jesus calls us to trust him, to, allow, to recognize that he has set us free from the slavery of sin if only we put our trust in him and allow him to um, be our Lord and be our Savior, as we said in the promises a bit earlier. I'm just going to read to you um, some words of Jesus from John's Gospel. So he was, as usual, in conversation with the religious leaders. The religious leaders were always trying to trip Jesus up because he didn't, basically didn't conform. He didn't conform to their expectations of what a, a rabbi, what a religious teacher should be like. He confounded them, to be honest. Um, and so um, they're saying to Jesus, our ancestors ate the manna. You've got it up there. Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. 
So Jesus is the true bread for heaven and, and he's the one who can satisfy those deepest hungers. Yes, there are people who literally do need to pray for their daily bread who are hungry uh, in difficult situations. But actually for most of us, it's about what is actually our, the purpose of our lives. Who are we living our lives for? What are we living our lives for? And I believe that Jesus can satisfy the deepest parts the deepest hungers and thirsts of our soul. All of us have that sense of wanting life to have meaning and purpose. And I believe that Jesus can ultimately give that sense of purpose. And for many of us, that's really hard because it, to put our trust fully in Jesus because it means leaving stuff behind. And we don't like leaving stuff behind. We don't like change. We don't like new things. We don't like not being in control. If you're anything like me, you don't like not being in control. And yet, the Bible is full of paradoxes. It says thing, Jesus says things like, you have to give up your life in order to gain it. And many of us here have experienced that, that sort of bizarre paradox of when you've just said to Lord, said to God, okay, Lord, that's it. I've, you know, just take me, do with me what you want. Actually, there is a freedom that comes from that. It's hard to explain, but it's a freedom that comes from having given ourselves fully to God. Uh, set us, allow God to set us free from the slavery of sin. And it's a bit like those Egypt, the, the um, Israelites. They basically had to die to Egypt. They had to let go of the Egypt that was in, within them. Their desire to keep going back to Egypt, to keep going back to their old ways. And that's what God calls us to do, is to die to our old ways, to die to that selfishness, to that sinfulness, and to live a life of purpose, where we seek to be a light in this world, where we seek to be people who follow Jesus, who bring light into often a dark place. So we need to resist the temptation to return to being slaves to sin day by day, to go back to our old ways, to grumble, to look back, uh, feeling hopeless or pessimistic about life. So as we celebrate Elliot's baptism today, it's a chance for all of us to thank God for the gift of life that he's given to us and to ask ourselves a couple of questions. Firstly, who or what do we put our trust in? Who or what do we put our trust in? And who or what really nourishes, nourishes us deep down in our soul? What are those things that feed us, that nourish us? And there's all sorts of good things that can feed us and nourish us, whether it be music or whether it be family or whatever it might be. But ultimately, it is Jesus who we need to look to to be the one who feeds us, who gives us a purpose in life. A bit earlier on, Paddy and Lisa and uh, Walter and um, Kerry promised these things, repent, to repent, and we all did as we stood with them, to repent of the sins that separate us from God and neighbor, to turn to Christ as Savior, to submit to Christ as Lord, and to come to Christ the way, the truth, and the life. And they are really hard promises to make, but we don't make them on our own. We make them with one another. We make them with God's help. And you know, when we fail, because we will, when we fail to keep those promises, when we sort of go our own way, actually we can turn back to Christ because he is a God of mercy. He is a God of peace. He is a God who provides for us, who loves us, who wants us to just say, yes, Lord, uh, would you nourish me? Would you feed me? Would you give me this life that is beyond measure? Would you lead me into that promised land, actually? We can begin to live that full life here and now, not just to wait 
until when we, die, when we die, but actually to have a life that's characterized, an eternal life uh, now uh, for the time to come. And I was just thinking, as we sang earlier um, to the river, those words, he is calling, he is waiting. Jesus longs to meet you there. And Jesus just waits. He's very patient, all of us. He waits for us to just follow him, to be with him. Let me just pray for a moment. Father God, we confess that at times we are stubborn like the people of Israel. We grumble. We look back to the good old days. We become pessimistic, not wanting to change. But Lord, we also acknowledge that there are times that are really testing, times when we feel in the wilderness, when we feel hungry. And so Lord Jesus, I pray wherever we are today, whether we're in a place of wilderness, whether we're experiencing testing and difficulty, whether we're feeling unsatisfied, Lord Jesus, would you show us what it means to put our trust in you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you set us free from those things that hold us back, from those things that separate us from God and neighbor. So, Lord Jesus, would we know your freedom today? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.